morning, ladies and gentlemen, and we have a fantastic episode of the CEO story today. We have Bruce Clay, who is the president of Bruce Clay Incorporated. Bruce, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. And you've been called the king of SEO as well as many other amazing things. So can you just share a little bit about your background uh, with the listeners? Sure. I've had prior careers and uh, it was way back in January of 96, I started the company. Uh, that makes it uh, three years older than Google. So some people don't remember that. Very I got cool. into it. Uh, I love it. My background is programming. Uh, I have uh, a marketing degree. And uh, then along comes the internet. And I started doing uh, what was then called search engine ranking. Uh, I've been given credit for coining the term search engine optimization. And if you search for, actually go to Google and search for who is the father of SEO, you'll find me Fantastic. for about the first five pages. That's super cool. Uh, it isn't so much that anybody could be the father of an industry, but you know, you really, if you love it, you nurture it and you make it grow and you help it you know, be something. And I've done that for a very long time. I've spoken at 300 conferences. I sponsor conferences. So I've been around. I've written three books. And at this moment, I have offices on five continents. So we're bigger than a bread box. That's fantastic. So let's kind of rewind it back to the earlier days when it was just a concept and an idea, and then you kind of created it and nurtured it. What you know, you, you mentioned that you have a background in IT and then more recently in the, the marketing side of things. But what kind of made you go into that direction initially? Well, I have a bachelor's in mathematics and computer science, and I'm predominantly a programmer for a lot of it. Uh, I got into management. Uh, I was the VP and general manager of the networking division of Acer. And I decided I didn't want to work for a large company. I wanted to consult. So I was looking for something to consult. And back in 1996, uh, Vice President Al Gore was really inventing the Internet. At least that's what people thought. He was promoting it. And I looked at it and I said, okay, there's these search engines and they're run by algorithms and I can figure out an algorithm. I'll bet you I can get to the top. And within a week, I was able to just pop websites up to the top of the search results. They were great. And then all of a sudden people started hiring me. And then I had to hire some people and, and where did raise that my start? prices and move out of the house. I get, I get that you had pinpointed this niche that you were good at, you became good at, and you really refined that skill. And we probably have a lot of listeners that can resonate with that part of it. But then to translate that skill that you were very good at into a trade that you could get paid for and consult for, can you talk to us a little bit specifically about that transition and how that worked? Well, that was actually quite easy. I, you know, I had been running profit-making organizations for quite some time, and I realized if, and actually my thought at the time, and why it's called Bruce Clay is I thought I was just going to be an independent consultant. Independent consultants do well. 
I have the flexibility. I can, you know, I had this vision of a notebook computer, a Corona and a beach, right? I mean, the vision. People still have that vision. That vision hasn't gone anywhere. And that was my vision. And I said, okay, I can do this. And then I did it and I put my site at the top and I was, I got involved in some newsletters of the era and started commenting and saying, hey, you know, you can do this and you can do that. And then all of a sudden people started reaching out to me. Can you do it for me? And that's when I realized, okay, there's some money in this consulting opportunity. But I never really thought it would be quite as big as it is. Let's take a pause there. Let me dissect what you just said. So you said that you did it for yourself first. You got yourself listed. You got some traction built around that. And then instantly or very quickly, people started noticing that you were doing that and becoming very successful for yourself and then asked you to copy that for them as well in their industry. Correct. Okay. And I'll tell you back 25 years ago, it was not that expensive, but it was still back then it was, I was charging a thousand a month 25 years ago and uh, it wasn't a commodity. Nobody knew how to do it. It just there were few people that had an idea that it even could be done. And I was very good at it. And people hired me and they told two friends and more people hired me. And, you know, it sort of just grew from there. And it grew well. And um, the hardest part, I think, over the years was keeping up with the constant uh, recessions and wars and 9-11 and now a a virus, you know, it was, it's really been a roller coaster for so many businesses, even ours. So great segue there. Going into the next wave of how to build an adaptable business that can stand the test of time. And you've proven that over, like you just mentioned, many different world events that happened. What, what are some of the key successes that you put in place to help your business thrive at a point where the economies and the and the world around us was uh, severely impacted. The company itself has grown and, sh and shrunk. I mean, uh, growing a business is always pretty easy because when things are easy, you don't have to be a great manager because you got a lot of money. The hardest part is recognizing that it is time to reduce and understanding what that means for the sake of the business because it's easy for a manager to say okay i trust i can last another month and then they're out of money you have to know what your burn rate is you have to know where you're spending your money you have to know what your expenses are cutting expenses first thing of course you cut your expenses but you have to understand that what will happen in two months for any recession is that your customers' customers are going to dry up. See, you don't, in our business at least, I did not see a reduction in my revenue immediately. But I knew my customers were going to feel a reduction when their customers cut back. It's right? a consequence of the second tier. Right. So the, it's a 
domino kind of effect. So what a business person needs to do is not be focused just on their bank account, not be focused just on their P&L, you know, how they are doing today. Because if you aren't sensitive to downstream or upstream, however you want to look at it, if you're not sensitive to the fact that the industry is going to take a hit, you're not going to be ready for it. Absolutely. And so glad you, you mentioned that because a lot of what we do with our clients, at least on the CFO side, is exactly that, where we're looking at the numbers, the metrics, but then that's one level. The next level above that is future looking to say, hey, what's going on out there? And, and peppering that information on top of our current information to actually have some deeper insights into which direction and which decisions need to be made. It's a tough call. Um, and I mean, this, the latest virus was, was horrible. I mean, when you think about the impact on businesses at all levels, I just had a client that was having a record year have to cut back because their supply chain evaporated and they were doing absolutely amazing. And if all you see is as long as your arm, you're going to keep thinking everything is okay but it's their clients that are the problem or their vendors that are the problem. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So then let's move on from there and talk about funding and being a self-funded startup and how you manage to, to scale that without bringing any external money in. Well, that was harder because, you know, when I started it, it was just on my dining room table. It wasn't like I had, you know, lots of money in the bank and I chose to do it and it, it really made money quickly. It wasn't that it needed to make a lot. It just needed to pay the bills, right? That's what you do when you're a startup. So I did that and uh, I will admit I've had a phenomenal st string of luck in finding resources and the right thing showing up at the right time. And I'm sitting here saying, okay, I wish I had a $20,000 account show up and then it shows up. I mean, it was just, you know, I've been fortunate. I understand it, but you know, you work hard. When they say a startup is never done, it's never done. You're up at 2 a.m., you're still working, you're doing what you need to do. I was lucky at the time, having been very early in the industry, that I didn't have a lot of competitors. I think that my early success was really based on the fact that people knew who I was because there weren't a lot of competitors and I was vocal. I was writing articles and newsletters. I was answering questions. When conferences started, I went to conferences and I sponsored conferences and I got to be a brand. And that allowed me to uh, really grow the business because I was the one that people called. I was always involved in a bid. I was always involved in an RFP. Um, large public companies would call me. Small mom and pops would call me. I had plenty of potential business. And in fact, it wasn't until maybe 10 years ago when all the spammers started entering the, the marketplace, 
you know, one recession putting people out of work, they're looking for things to do. All of a sudden I had overnight hundreds of competitors and the consumer didn't know any different. So that's when it got tighter. But during the early stages, uh, I did not have a problem, uh, you know, paying bills because people were paying a premium for my service. And um, I was actually able to provide a premium service, top shelf. I was able to make things work. We always got the results. They would tell two friends, they'd be happy to pay. They made fortunes and uh, I was very happy for that whole period. Fantastic. No, I really like that. I think in terms of adding value, being first, being aware, that's all really relevant stuff. And can you translate yeah. that into today's world in terms of the, for the people listening or watching right now, what would be the, the equivalent of doing a conference or sponsoring something or answering comments and feedbacks and, what advice would you give them in today's world? Well, I think that the best equivalent would be to be involved in social media, uh, to be involved in Quora, answering questions, to be visible to people and start to build your personal brand. And there's a lot of companies out there that help you build personal brands as well on social media. But I would build somewhat of a brand for myself or my company because you you're going to need that the second thing is feel comfortable about going to a virtual conference clearly i was sponsoring and speaking and attending and exhibiting at conferences this year that all dried up and my lead source significantly dried up and uh, I've switched over to virtual conferences, um, meet and greets. I've joined uh, some organizations, online organizations. Um, I've spoken so far at, uh, I think, three virtual conferences. Uh, I was doing classroom training. And obviously, with the virus, I can't do classroom training. But the, to be an educator gets you in the, in the face of so many people. And now you can do that virtually. You can build a nice course and offer it to people. You may not make a lot of money if it's a, a online course, unless it's, uh, there's an investment in it, but uh, you still wanna be seen as a person with answers. Because if you're a person with answers and people have questions, they wanna talk to you. And that's your opportunity to upsell them. Uh, I think that that's, uh, sort of a necessary evil. The problem that you have is in today's world, it's much more difficult to be doing something that other people are not doing, right? I mean, I was doing SEO when nobody knew what SEO was and there was no business so of how, SEO. I'm breaking down those barriers because it's similar to what we do on the tax side. You know, the tax structures that we set up are very high level. Not many people know what, how they work or their current advisors have no idea of the way we structure things, which is very similar to you kind of creating the industry. How did you break down those barriers and help people understand it? I wrote a website, my website, bruceclay.com, and just loaded it with information. And 
uh, I had a particular, you know, way to do it is I went to every other website out there and I learned and I discovered that a lot of the people don't know how to write. They don't know how to tell a story or explain or help people relate to the information. So I wrote it in a way that was educational to, you know, a, a 10 year old, right? If I had to explain it to my kids, how would I explain it? And I went through the process of writing that, a thousand pages of it. And I gave it all away. And in fact, I still give it all away. My website will tell you how to do SEO. You don't have to hire me. And my philosophy was I answer questions until they surrender. I know that sounds a little strange, but I, I gave it away until they realized this was too complex to try themselves. Yeah, very similar to kind of the Gary Vee philosophy of just give, give, give. And then at a certain point, they're like, okay, I've got to, I've got to come on board now. Right. And that goes with my philosophy of saying, you know, I got into the organiz- the entire industry, which is worth billions, technically. Uh, I got in and I nurtured the industry. I gave away information. I told people how to do it. When I was teaching my classes, 25% of my class were people working for SEO agencies. I mean, teaching I gave away everything. And if they asked me a question, I answered the question. Just what I did. And it worked. Fantastic. So as we look to wrap up, I'd like to end with one question. And it's, if you had to attribute your success between three factors, those three factors being drive, skill, and luck. How would you apportion that? Well, as I mentioned, I've considered myself very, very, very lucky. But I think that the reason uh, I have succeeded is more skill than drive. I haven't tried. I, I could have tried, but I never tried to be the biggest. And, uh, and I don't consider myself... Uh, to actually even have an ego about being considered the father of SEO. That's not an ego thing. Uh, I just happen to be too good of a marketer to pass it up. I mean, when people say that, you say, yes, great. It's a marketing tool. But I, you know, I consider myself lucky. I am skilled at explaining a complex thing easily. And every time I talk to a prospect, they say, you've given me more information than anybody else. You've explained to me things better than anybody else. You've answered my questions better than anybody else. That's how I got my business. And I think that it's really a skill of, of answering questions and giving information much, much more than drive. Fantastic. So, Bruce... Thank you so much for your time. We're going to put a link below to your website, bruceclear.com, so people can reach out to you and kind of check you out. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.